0: guys, back at it again, this is Dale, and I'm with my good friend Abel, and today we're coming at you guys with a special story, a special story that deals with Jonah, and I'm sure everyone knows the story about Jonah, Jonah in the well, and we're just gonna dive into it, we're gonna see what the word says, and we hope you guys learn something new and grow with your walk with the Lord, so let's get into it, let's go Abel.
1: So, as we begin, we all know that Jonah was a prophet, and his main task that God had that God prepared for him was to go around and preach to everyone around him about the gospel acts 1 8 says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth basically Jonah was perfectly fine with preaching the gospel to those around him. However, when it came time for him to go spread the gospel to those in Nineveh, he was, very, he was very hesitant about that, and he didn't want to do it at all because he really hated the Ninevites because they were really evil. And he knew that God is a gracious God. We know that even when we do mistakes, God is so compassionate and merciful on us, and he forgives us, and he knew that God would have this would have the same compassion and mercy on those in Nineveh, and He really didn't want to go.
0: And just to compare that to today's time, that's like I, I mean, honestly, a lot of Christians are just like Jonah was, if you think about it. There's a lot of people they're okay with preaching the people. Even if, if, if they're, they're okay with preaching to people that's the same race as them, that's the same social class as them, but when it comes to going to preaching to people that may so be a different race or a different social class, they're very hesitant. They're almost as if, I, well, I don't want to serve the same God as them, and um, I don't know I'm better than them because I have a certain amount of money. And so you have Jonah who loves the Lord, and um, he says, okay, God, you basically want me to be a disciple, that's fine. But when the Lord says, I want you to go all over the world, Jonah, not just to a certain group of people that you like, but to your own enemies and spread the word of God, he almost became anger. And it's not because, and it's not because God couldn't do it, but because he knew God's grace is sufficient and God would forgive him. He hated these people so much that he didn't even want the Lord to forgive them for their sins. And he had become so callous and so stubborn towards that.
1: One thing we should keep in mind is that we're all created equally. No matter what color we are, what race we are, what size we are, we're all created equally. And we all have the same unique value in God's eyes. In uh, uh, Genesis 1, we see that God reminds us that we have all been created in His own image, both male and female. Therefore we shouldn't put more value on us than putting uh value on others because we're all created equally.
0: And this is something that Jonah really struggled with, that we're all created equal and that the Lord but most important, the Lord's grace is good, sufficient. The Lord loves us all the same and he for relationship with all of us. And Jonah really did not want these people saved and he knew that God's grace was great and that they could be saved But he didn't like them so much that he did not want them to be saved He did not want him to write the Word of God
1: He honestly just
0: wanted them to go to hell
1: A second thing we can learn from this story is that Whatever occupation we're in we don't have to be ministers or prophets in order to preach the gospel to others the gospel can be preached to others simply non-verbally that is seen through our actions and how we dress and stuff like that. And we must always remember that in whatever occupation we're in, to be an example to those around us, radiating the light that God has put in us. And a lot of times these days, we tend to be so righteous and so godly in front of those around us, but then when we're in our homes, we're so unrighteous. We're filled with so much malice and hatred for others. But God reminds us that we must be godly and righteous in every single thing we do, no matter where we are.
0: And just a verse to look at in Jonah's 1-4 that really caught my eye. It says, Then the Lord set a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ships threatened to break up. And um, this in the story of Jonah. A lot of times we're like, why is all this stuff happening to me? We're almost as if we're in a storm sometimes
1: in life and maybe it's God trying to get our attention. Definitely. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Again, going back to the idea that no matter where we are, we must always be an example to those around us. And having the Spirit of God in us, we must always remember that we need to set a high a high standard for ourselves and do everything that we can to be righteous. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that we must never be overly righteous. We see that even in the Bible, God reminds us not to be overly righteous. Again, we see that this is how the Pharisees acted, and God really disliked them for that
0: what What does that mean to be overly righteous?
1: It, don't we want to aim for perfection and be
0: as good as we possibly can?
1: Definitely. But we must always keep in mind that not that we're none of us are, are perfect. and sometimes being overly righteous makes those around us feel weak, and then that could discourage them from going on and trying to reach the state of righteousness. And then furthermore, like I said, we see that this is what the Pharisees did, and Jesus really disliked them for that. In fact, he all he called them out on this like so many times.
0: When when Jonah was swallowed up by the well in the story, I'm sure we all we've all heard this parable. When Jonah was swallowed up by the well or the big fish, in those days he felt he was in the in the the fish's or the well's belly. What do you think he was thinking, and how can we par- How can how can you use that to parallel it with the world that we live? In? No, to the times now, as far as what people were going through. What what what? How could that relate to what people are going through now? Because people can be going through a tough time, but
1: they're certainly not in a whale or a fish's belly. So. Well, based on what we see in the Bible, we see that what Jonah did while he was in the belly of the whale is he prayed for salvation while he was there. He he took his focus off of what his main task was, which is to go preach to to the Ninevites. And again, he focuses on himself and he asked for deliverance and, and salvation. And in that case, it was perfectly fine. But then as the story goes on, we see that once he gets out of the belly, out of the belly of the whale, he forms a hatred for the Ninevites again. And he's very reluctant to go and preach to them. Um, And I would say how that applies to us today is that a lot of times we tend to ask God simply for our own salvation and our own deliverance. And we just focus on ourselves. We're so self-centered. But then when we're in a really good place and then we see other people that need the deliverance and salvation, we're so unwilling to pray for them and try to help them out because we're so focused on ourselves. Yeah. So as the story goes on, we see that, like I said, Jonah doesn't want to go to the Ninevites because he knows that God is so merciful and he will forgive them. So he tries to go exactly the opposite way, 180 degrees from where God wanted him to go, to a place called Tarshish. However, God had a a different plan, and he made sure that one way or another, Jonah would go where he wanted to go. To the Ninevites, Matthew twenty five fourteen twenty eight says, for it for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. The reason why I shows this specific story is that we all know that no matter who we are we're all given specific talents. God has made us all unique and we see from this story that God reminds us to build upon the talents that we have and not just to leave them the way they are simple and bland but to make them as best as we can. We see that Jonah's talent was preaching the gospel to those around him and we see that instead of expanding that talent of his we see that he was very reluctant because he knew that god was so merciful and he did not want to expand the talent that god had given him
0: and that goes hand in hand with business and i believe that lord showing us when you get when you become successful you should help others out it's okay to spread your wealth and not only into investments or stocks but into other people into their businesses and into their dreams and that do not be afraid. God did not give us the the spirit of fear. Some people are afraid, and that's why they haven't lived out their dream yet.
1: Going on the idea that Danny had, we must always keep in mind that no matter what the obstacles are, our dreams can become a reality if we simply have faith in God and if we're persistent. We look at the lives of so many great men, not only in the Bible. But even outside of the Bible, we look at Abraham Lincoln, who started off who started off in a very, very poor family, yet he trusted in God, and he had faith in Him, and he was persistent in what he did. He gave his all attention to doing his best in whatever he did, and he worked his way up to eventually becoming the President of the United States, even though he started off in poverty.
0: And... In Jonah' cases, um, in Jonah's case, I believe that he le- he just learned a valuable lesson, and it came down to where he said, "You know what, God." And a lot of times, the Lord do that to us as well. We'll get in tough situations where where we just have to go. You know what, God, I just submit my all to you, and I'm gonna do your will because that's what you ask me, and that's
1: what's best for me. So, as we go on, we see that waves come. We see that Noah is in the boat with the, with the people that are carrying him, and he is.
0: You said Noah. Noah. Oh. We don't have a pen, so we don't remember.
1: Around thirteen forty-five. All right. Yeah. Okay. So as we go on with the story, we see that the waves come we see that Jonah as I said before is headed towards Tarshish instead of going towards Nineveh which is the opposite which is in the opposite direction and we see that because God has different plans and really wants Jonah to go to Nineveh we see that he causes a big storm to come and in Jonah's mind we see that he was possibly thinking oh this is my great escape even though I'm not going to make it to Tarshish, to Tarshish, and live, I would rather be swallowed up by the waves and die instead of going to Nineveh and having them, and giving them a chance to be saved. So he tells the people in the boat to throw him overboard. But again, we see God has different plans, and even though Jonah probably doesn't know how to swim, we see that, and it even says in the Bible that he pretty much gets swallowed up by the sea. We see that seaweed starts covering him and almost strangling him. We see that God provides a deliverance. And we see that God even uses animals in order to get his plan to come to fruition. So we see that the big whale comes and swallows up Jonah and he is there for three days and three nights.
0: And in those three days and three nights, he hasn't, his relationship with the Lord is put on the spotlight and this is where the Lord really gets to him and talks to him and sees through to his heart. And Jonah really sees his actions and his heart and the way that he's been acting. And a lot of time um, we'll go through almost probably near death situations the way Jonah did and we'll be in the midst of things and he'll think the most horrible thing is when he's swallowed by the whale but that's the exact thing that got his attention him and God's attention and um they were able to talk and work things out in the midst of the chaos
1: so as we go on we see that Jonah is like I said first swallowed up by the whale he stays there three days and three nights and then he gets spit out by the whale and he goes to Nineveh However, even as he goes there, we see he's still very self-centered and very selfish. This is the only thing that he tells the Ninevites. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We see in so many other prophets when the people are doing something wrong, these prophets point out exactly what they're doing in order for them to know what they're doing wrong and to turn to God. Yet Noah Yet yeah, Jonah doesn't give any description of what they're doing wrong. He just says, Yeah, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We see that Jonah isn't specific with the people. However, we see that God still works through Jonah's message, and we see that people start to repent. In Jonah 3, uh, verses 5 through 8, it says, The people of Nineveh believed in God, and they declared a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human or animal, cattle or sheep, is to taste anything. They must not eat, and they must not drink water." every person and animal must put on sackcloth and must cry earnestly to God and everyone must turn from their evil ways of living and from the violence that they do we see that not only does the, not only does the people of Nineveh turn to God but we see that even the king himself repents and turns to God and he does so with with such humility that he takes off his royal robe and puts on sackcloth. Mm. For us, even today, that is something very humiliating to do. But especially in those days, for a king to take off his royal robe and put on sackcloth, that was perhaps the most humiliating thing anyone can ever do.
0: And it's shows humility. It shows... Um... Submission towards Christ, and the and these are the very people Noah don't like. But a lot of it's just crazy because a lot of times the very thing that you don't want to do, that or the people that you don't like, the Lord is using you to get to them. And Jonah had a specific job the Lord assigned to him, and it's also it shows that it's okay to mess up because no Jonah messed up big, but the Lord said, No, I'm gonna still use you. I still have a job for you, and I think a lot of times that a lot of people, like, honestly, I talk to people and they're like, and they're like, oh, I want to be Christians. So I want to submit to God, but I don't want to go to Africa, though. I don't want to go be a missionary. And they have these negative thoughts about things, but until they actually go and they see it for themselves, you never know how the Lord will use you. And he wants you to submit. He doesn't want to make your life boring. He wants you to submit and he wants to be in your life and he wants to give you the greatest life possible. When it comes to submitting towards the Lord, and you can you can save a whole generation, you can save a whole place, a whole kingdom. Just look at Jonah.
1: And one thing to keep in mind is that you know God has blessed us each with our own unique gifts, with our with our own unique characters and so forth. And we know that God doesn't call each and every person to go to a different land and preach the gospel. As I said you can preach the gospel to those around you. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be through actual words. It can be through nonverbal cues, the way you dress, the way you act, different things that you do for di- for different people. We know that the ministry of the gospel can, um, can go out even to those close to you. It doesn't necessarily have to, to be to those really far away from you. Totally agree with you. Alright, so, when God says something bad will happen, He always offers people a chance to change. And we see that all throughout history, all throughout the scriptures and so forth. And we see that even in this story uh, with the people of Nineveh. Um... We see a lot of times when God says this bad thing is gonna happen. That's pretty much like an ultimatum, and this ultimatum is, you know, you'd better turn away from your sin, or else this thing will happen. And this is certainly seen in the case of the Ninevites. Uh, we see that the message Jonah tells, which is what the, which is the message that God wants them to tell the Ninevites is that 40 days and and Nineveh will be overthrown. And yet in the end, Nineveh is not overthrown. We see that this is just God's way of saying, turn away from your wicked ways or you will be punished. And
0: Just again, not only did the Lord give Jonah another chance, but he gave these people another chance. We serve a gracious God, but we also serve a just God. And he gives us chances after chances, and he just wants us to repent and to come
1: to him. So after Jonah sees that the Ninevites, including the king, uh, repent from their sins and turn away from their wicked ways, um, we see that Jonah is very upset because they turned away from their sins. He really wanted them all to perish in their own sin. Um, and even through this, we see that God is so gracious to Jonah, and he, show, he shows his great love towards him. We see that he causes a plant to grow and shade him from the blazing heat of the sun. And we see that Jonah is still upset with God, still hates the Ninevites, we even see that Jonah tells God to kill him because he is mm. that upset with the with the Ninevites' repentance that he just wants God's he just wants God to kill Jonah so his life will end. And we see the next day the plant that God made uh, to um give Jonah shade. We see that he causes that plant to be eaten up by worms and so forth. And we see that Jonah is even more upset because he grew really close to that plant, which he only knew for a single day. And that's just,
0: honestly, that just relates to people. There are people here that were rather, there are people on earth that were, that knows the Lord that would rather die than before they go to a place where people or. or that are less social class than them, that aren't the same racism. They're like, I'd rather die than share the same God with them and tell them about the good works of the Lord. There are a lot of people that won't even do God's will because instead of loving a tree or a plant more, they love their money more. They love their house more. They love the blessings God has given them more than they love the fact that they get to share the gospel with people that are less fortunate.
1: Definitely. And we see that there's so many people's, And not just speaking about Christians, but non-Christians as well. We see that putting aside Christian values and just thinking about like ethical things, for instance, killing babies. We see that so many many people these days, especially here in the U.S., care more about their, their money, their wealth, their possessions, their pets, even more than they do about human life. And instead of caring more about babies and trying to put a stop to abortion, we see that so many people put more value on, like I said, their possessions, their pets, and stuff like that. Correct. And um, and the last thing we can learn from this story is to show true love. Uh, From one of my communications class, I learned that Love isn't really shown when you're doing it for someone who's done something good for you. But the truest sense of love is shown when you're doing something to your enemies, to those who you know can't give you anything back. Um, Matthew 5.44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which do Despitefully use you and persecute you.
0: And this just goes hand in hand with Jonah that he hated these people just so much. But I can guarantee you, after he did this and after he seen them repent, he was like, wow, God, thank you for using me. And they're people, they have lives, they have hearts just like I do. And the Bible just says in Pro- and Proverbs, I think in Proverbs 4.24, but I know it's in Proverbs. It says, love each other deeply because love covers
1: over a multitude of sins. Definitely. And the last thing we can learn from the story is to be happy for people when we see them being blessed and when we see that they succeed. So many times we're so self-centered and we're only happy when good things happen to ourselves. But then when we see others being blessed, we're so upset, so jealous But in God's word, we see that we are reminded to not be jealous of those around us, but be happy for those who are blessed.
0: Right. And I believe there will be less what they call haters, less people jealous in the world. if They actually see how many times people have failed. Um, I think that we look at social media and we see pictures of people who are successful or we look on television and we see people like, wow, they're so successful. But we do not see how many times these people have failed. Michael Jordan even quoted one time, he said something whereas I missed 62 game winning shots. I missed 432 total shots in my career. I fell and fell, and that's why I continue to be successful. Failure is a part of being successful. It comes with it. And a lot of people, they just view people, oh, they're successful. They didn't go through anything. They're not feeling the pain I'm feeling. When really, people, we congratulate them because they made it through, but we don't know what they went through. And just to know that we're all humans, we all face things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Always keep in mind that's what, that what is on the outward appearance isn't doesn't necessarily show what's on the inside. And people can seem to have an enormously good life, but then you don't know what they're going Through on the inside. And in conclusion, we'd like to remind you all to love those around you, not just those who are nice to you, but even those who aren't nice to you and who try to do evil things against you. Love every single person around you and show the love of Christ to them. And
0: just know that when you're in a tough time, when you're in the heart of a time, you could be like Jonah in the well or in a big fish stomach. Just know that. Just reinforce yourself. Know that, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me? And sometimes just like that, well, that big fish, the Lord spits you out exactly where he wants you to be, and he'll give you second chances. It is time to do the right thing to walk with him. And also, don't love money like like that plant that he had. Don't love money. Don't love a house. Don't love materialistic things or anything materialistic come between The love you have for Christ and love that you can share with others and help them grow and have a relationship with the Father. Daniel and Abe, thank you for checking in with us.